the future of photography. Hey buddy, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Excellent. I'm very good. I'm very good. And I'm very excited about our topic for this week because this is going to be... This is going to be one where we are limited by our own imagination. So might, actually, that might show me up a little bit. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> no, I know. No, it's all right. This is one of the reasons I'm, I'm drawn to photography is that I don't really have the, the motor skills for things like painting or sculpting or drawing. I can't draw at all. <laughs> and the great thing about photography is that as a, as a frustrated creative, I have some equipment that allows me to capture the things that I can see. Okay. So if I can if I can see something or I can pre-visualize something, then I can use technology to make it happen. Whereas, you know, I couldn't ever paint or sculpt the things that I see. So, so uh, uh, having said that, am I the most creative person in the world? Well, I don't know. Should we dive into this week's topic and find out? <laughs> Let's find out. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by the title of this episode. SDK say what? Yeah. Well, hey, this is interesting stuff. This is interesting stuff. So first of all, magic lantern. Yeah. You know, I'm totally aware of it. I have used it in the past, but not everyone might have. No. Okay. So, uh, so you will have used Magic Lantern because you are a cannon shooter. True. Um, For those that haven't heard of Magic Lantern, Magic Lantern is an organization that creates non-licensed firmware, another word for software, but non-licensed firmware for Canon cameras. Not all of them. Um, but it does quite a wide range now, actually. And uh, they do things like um, unlock raw video recording and stuff they, they like that. They add features um, for like, add features. videographers and so on, yeah. They do. And this means that you know, uh, what, what you experience as a user is, is that, uh, something like when you get a, a – do, do Canon do a lot of firmware upgrades? I shoot Fuji. We get firmware upgrades all the time. No, they, they do firmware updates. Uh, in a few rare cases, they even delivered new functionality through firmware updates. But um, you get the occasional firmware update. No. But so no. Canon is still doing most of its firmware upgrades through forcing you to buy a new camera. I <laughs> mean <laughs> <laughs> Very special. The firmware is free. The packaging for the firmware costs three thousand dollars. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, any, but but of course, Canon with a huge heritage uh, in video uh, as well as stills photography. Um, so, whoever is behind Magic Lantern, I don't know much about them as an organization. And by the way, they're not exactly the point of this show. Uh, but for a number of years now, they've been hacking firmware together, um, uh, which of course voids your warranty. So, this is not a recommendation to try it. Uh, but it. Uh, yeah, they they can give Canon shooters access to new features, and especially as you say, Chris, in the area of videography. Um, you know, getting cameras that you know to shoot 4K when Canon won't let them, or or to shoot RAW when Canon won't let them. Um, huge, hugely powerful stuff. Um, comes with a, a a slight risk. Slight risk. Okay, you, comes with a risk. Your, if you brick your camera, that's it. It's de- it's dead then. And it's also difficult to uh, to operate. I mean, this is this is more targeted towards like someone who has pro pro ambitions and uh, yeah, it's not, it's 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 a bit involved. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's flip this about and say what what if right your camera manufacturer of choice handed you the keys to their castle right and they said go and muck about go and do whatever you like here's the camera right here is uh some stuff you can play with to write your own firmware okay 
Okay, right. Sounds crazy for those of us who who shoot with mainstream brands, but but actually, it's become a reality in the last couple of weeks. Um, Wait, who who who? who, who, who. <laughs> well, who, so who does that? Who who does that? It's some some crazy company, obviously. So these so uh, as you might expect, it's somebody who uh, has a reputation for being slightly on the edge of the photography market in terms of their approach. Uh, sometimes you get some unusual products. Sometimes you get some u- unusual thought behind the products. Um, and this is in this instance, this is Rico Pentax. Oh, really. Um, yeah. Um, so what, what do I know about Pentax? I've got a friend who has a Pentax SLR, a consumer grade one that looks like a, a stormtrooper from Star Wars and it's black and white and it's got lights on it and stuff like that. Um, so sometimes they're a bit wacky like that. Rico, of course, behind cameras like the Theta 360 degree cameras, which you and I have, have both used. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and of course, they, they range from uh, very small cameras right the way up to medium format because, of course, there is the uh, the Pentax uh, medium format digital line of cameras as 645, well. 645, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, have, I have played with the K1, Pentax K1 DSLR full frame. Um, and, uh, I found it, it's a, it's a good camera. It's a great camera. It is very much geared towards the more, I'd say, tech oriented photographer, though. Um, it's, it allows you everything, but it, it, it has its, uh, what would I say? If it's, it's more for the nerdy ones, you know, the, the ones who want more deep, fine, fine grade control over things. So mm. uh, that SDK thing sounds like a good fit to that. Yeah, well, in 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 uh, in some areas, of course, the the, the well, Pentax have a very strong following, um, a, a clan, in fact, almost known as the Pentaxians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and they are very loyal to that. They are very loyal to their brand, and their brand has rewarded that loyalty. I think <laughs> it remains to be seen. I suppose, as you say, uh, they have released a software development kit, an SDK. Um, now, as far as I'm aware. Um, in in the world of mainstream cameras, you know, digital SLRs and the like, uh, this is, is is a first. I don't think I've ever seen anybody else do this. Um, and what it means is quite simply, um, you can write your own applications for your cameras. Okay, so you can get a a, a software development kit. It is a kit of tools that essentially allows you to write uh, your own programs. And in this case, uh, you are able to write um, not so much firmware to be to be fair to them, um, but you can write uh, apps for iOS and Android devices and desktop computers uh, that allow you to talk to your Pentax DSLR uh, camera um, and without breaking any of the stuff that's in the camera and and Recope or Pentax are opening up all sorts of commands that you could call on. Um, to do uh, all sorts of things there with those cameras. Um, really quite groundbreaking stuff. Potentially, okay, but- potentially. <laughs> and there's the, there's the key there, right? Depends on the software developers, of course. But that stuff, okay, just make make that clear that that stuff runs not on the camera itself; it runns outside the camera. Yeah, yeah. So in 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 a sense, the 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 magic lantern story, yeah, I was talking about is is a little bit of a red herring. I'm yeah, (laughs) it's 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 relevant because magic lantern have empowered Canon users to do new things. Uh, But but what that means, what that means is, Pentax have have now an open API. 
that the, the cameras speak and that you can interface with. Yeah. So that is, you, that is brilliant. It is, it is, it is. And this is the trick, isn't it? Because then you ask the question, well, what does this mean for the future of photography? And this is where I risk sounding not very creative because <laughs> I have not, by the way, just to, just for, for the record, I have not created over the last two weeks or however long a whole list of things that I would like to do. So I am having this conversation on the fly as are you. So <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna steal uh, the moment. I'm gonna say so. Okay, what would you make, Chris? What would I make? Hmm. What would you make your Pentax camera do? You've got access to all sorts of things in it. I would definitely look more into the stuff that you can do with the moving sensors because okay, some of good some of those already have, like the K1 has a moving sensor for uh, for stabilization. So the, the camera has a gyro built in, similar to what we talked about last week. And it, you, you, as you move the camera, the, the, the image will shake and give you motion blur, but then the sensor counters that by moving. And they have a feature built in th that interfaces or that links their GPS to the motion of that sensor. So what that allows you is uh, to take pictures of the stars and normally you are you you get blurry stars within just like 15 or 20 seconds of exposure because mm, yeah, the rotation of the earth the rotation of the earth is just so fast <clears throat> it's it's really it's really not easy to see with your eyes but the camera will clearly see it when you shoot from a tripod so there is already kind of a gps motion tracking astrophotography mode in those cameras that allows you to do this but it's it's awfully difficult to get to i played with this and it was like really not that clear how to use it on the camera if this was easy to enable and set on your smartphone and then just tell the camera do it because the smartphone knows where you are it has gps built in it is easier to operate from a user interface if you program it well and uh, it, being able to kind of make this easier from the outside would be really welcome because if if you do it well it allows you to take exposures of a minute or two instead of just 20 seconds. Okay. And astrophotographers yeah. love that. Yeah. So, that, I, like, I like the sound of that. That's, that's, that's a, a good application. Um, I have one that I, I'll gloss over just, just quickly, which is that this is available on the Pentax medium format cameras. So first of all, I would want to transfer a lot of that innovative uh, software and control into a medium format camera that, mm -hmm. that, 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 to, to gain the, the benefit of, of the quality of the image there. Um, I, I think there's there's some stuff around timing for me, though. So as, as a first kickoff idea for me, uh, I... I um, it, has it ever occurred to you that almost all time lapses are always the same interval of time? Mm. Um, so what if you could do like a, a logarithmic inter oh, interval of time? You mean, you mean like a sunset mode or something? Well, you could, whether, yeah, whether, and I know you could, probably, I know you could do this changes? in, I know you could do this in post, but it could, you could make it a lot easier. What if you had a, a an interval that was a, um, I don't know, a set of intervals over time that were like a bell curve? For okay. example, so you would say so you would start off shooting slowly, then shoot quite a lot very quickly and then and then drop away to shoot more slowly again. So you'd get more detail around the, the peak of an event, for an example. 
um that might that that might be nice i'm sure you could do that with other tools in post today anyway just by simply cutting out some of them but that sounds like it would be awfully um you'd have you'd have to count the frames wouldn't you and then and then render with the remaining frames and you'd probably get those steps wrong and stuff like that but if you could say okay well at the beginning i want to shoot every five seconds and then i want to get up to you know or every five minutes even uh you know start slowly and then and, and then build up and you, if you could set your own interval curves, that might be good fun. I've, I can see a lot of very creative ways to use that. And also in art, I mean, it doesn't have to be all like box standard photography. It could be well into the realm of art that we can't even imagine what it's going to look like from from now. I'm just looking at the website um, of the APIs. They have an in interesting set of APIs there. One is they even have some cloud APIs now out there where they have like a visual recognition API that would let you uh, recognize people in a photo and compare different people into images um, through an API. So there's a interesting live streaming API here, peer-to-peer um, -peer communications API. So I, I, it looks interesting. It looks very interesting, uh, maybe a bit scary even. Especially the image <laughs> It'd be good for private stuff, detectives, wouldn't it? It's just like I only want to take photos of the people that I'm following. Privacy. <laughs> Should we talk about GDPR again? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not talk about GDPR again. I want, I want that to, I want that to get over, uh, you know, back to its normalization point of the curve. Um, I, I, so yeah, so so let's have, have a think about this. Um, of course, it, with 360 degree cameras, what could you do with that? You know, actually being able to control an API. In a 360-degree camera, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm not even sure I know, to be honest. Maybe you could track, you, maybe you could do face tracking with a 360-degree camera so that you uh, you could render the video in two dimensions um, whilst following uh, somebody's face, perhaps. Have you ever tried to... to um, uh if you i haven't really tried to edit 360 degree video but but you know actually trying to but well, even just watching it on something like you know um google cardboard um sometimes you have to spin around to find out who's talking and stuff like that it be well th 360 video has its problems for sure and uh <laughs> yeah. i think i think it's just a it's, it's a matter of time to work through those and find new ways to to handle that but there's there's a there's a lot of potential in that area to make it better and make it easier to use i think we're we're all really early steps at this point uh, yes yes like live streaming sounds like what would i do with live streaming i suppose i don't know i haven't really do a live version of this podcast with two video streams one of your camera <laughs> no, probably not <laughs> Well, we could do, I suppose. We could. We maybe we better start off with a live audio before we do live video. All right, all right. Let's take baby steps one by one. Baby steps, yeah. But but it, it's uh, so yeah. You could do. I don't know. You could program somebody's face in, then couldn't you? I suppose. Um, uh, yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. This is why I say it's it's partly. I mean, yeah. Okay, so so part my, my thing about well, how creative? You know, uh, are we only limited by our own create creativity? Well, actually, that's not entirely true, is it? Because you know, at some point, you are only limited by you are limited by the SDK um, and the API. Sorry, and and the API that is available. But that's only in version one, isn't it? 
right? So, you know, well, let's it, see how far about, they want to open that up. See, yeah. So, so what? Could, yeah. So it'd be interesting. Maybe you could segment the sensor. You could, uh, you know, uh, to to record different things. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, maybe you could, uh, I don't know, you combine it with, hmm, maybe you could have um, sensors that do, uh, that, that are part black and white and part of them have a color filter and you could combine stuff and do stuff. That would require some hardware as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and rip half the color array off the front of my sensor. <laughs> that would be a different form of API for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that might get us into some of the glitch photography we've talked about in the past. Uh, well, yeah, so so recognizing. I things. think I think mm. it's a this is a good opportunity to hand this to the audience. So every anyone listening having ideas about how we could use this or how this could make photography better or different, um, thefutureofphotography.com episode thirty two. There are there are ways to contact us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, absolutely. Um, that would be good to have a conversation about, you know, a wider conversation uh, uh, about all of these things. At the moment, I'm thinking of, of pairing as well, pairing the cameras with uh, accessories. So what would you be able to do if you had, let's say, uh, a Gigapan head plus one of these cameras? Oh, that would be straightforward, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you combine combining the the, the technology um might might give you might give you some very creative opportunities yeah interesting stuff huh i don't know it's the it, it's it's going to be i'm going to track this one i'm going to okay. see what happens with these i mean and not just because i've wanted a pentax medium format camera for a while <laughs> <laughs> i've been out shooting i've been out shooting with my bronica this weekend so so I'm in a medium format kind of a headspace at the moment. A, a, fr- a friend of mine has the Pentax 645Z, which is interesting. An interesting beast. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to give one a try. I've never actually shot with a, a medium format digital camera. Well, like digi- to... Digital camera, medium format. If you are used to a film medium format, the, the digital is a bit smaller from a sensor size point of view so yeah digital medium format is not quite the real medium format but it's more than full frame that's for sure yes well and and gives you and it gives i'm 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 very keen on the uh some of the aesthetics that you get yeah. from from shooting with medium format um the the way oh, the yes. aesthetic changes because to to achieve the same field of view you have to have different focal lengths and things like that and and uh i'm not going to tie myself in knots trying to describe the technicality <laughs> of those things because i know many people have tried and, and and almost all of them have failed um but but it does give you a different look and feel which i i, I very much like and that and actually bringing some of the you know using this using these apis to bring some of that you know sort of more standard dslr technology to a medium format um that would be a really uh, a really powerful uh, thing for me what what if you could do all of that astrophotography for example with a medium format camera oh that yeah one. that would that would be definitely right up there mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah so interest it's interesting times ahead um it'd be great to see if this takes off it'd be great to see if they add to the api uh, and then you could create some rather uh, marvelous uh, opportunities to take uh, interesting photographs. But as you say, it'd be good to hear from our listeners and, and hear what they think. 
Well, yeah, write us to the thefutureofphotography.com. We did too bad we didn't get the T T F O P the T F O P domain. That's someone else owns that. Hmm. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> thefutureofphotography.com is a bit long to type. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that covers it for today. I think it does. I think it does. Uh, and I feel that I've probably been left wanting with my creativity i will go away and think that through a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> everyone thanks for listening and we'll be back in a week with another episode of the future of photography until then have a great time take care take care bye bye you've been listening to the future of photography A production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Music